Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello everyone and welcome to a special bonus episode of Decoding TV. This episode is called Decoding Decoding TV. Typically, on Decoding TV, four bonus episodes what we've done is we've compared the TV shows that we're covering to the source material. So in the case of House of the Dragon, we compared it to the book that it's based on. In the case of The Last of Us, we compared it to the video game. Well, of course, that does not exist for Succession. Um, and so I was thinking to myself, what can we do for the bonus episodes for Decoding TV during this season of Succession? And uh, I decided that a great way to approach this was by inviting someone on who is a media expert to talk to us about how realistic the events of succession are. Also, he can yell at me about the things that I got wrong during the main episode. David Cho is a media veteran. He's also friend, assistant, and advisor in his past life. Uh, and he has previously been not, the publisher not of sites. In the, not in the carry way. Not in the carry way <laughs> in the show. Um, but he's previously been the publisher of sites such as Grantland, 538, and The All. His expertise is highly valued by media companies, celebrities, global brands. And I'm so pleased he's sharing it with us here on Decoding TV. David Cho, welcome to Decoding TV. No, I pitched this to you as, um, like, I, I feel like, I, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this, um, a lot of people just kind of like when they're listening is kind of like yelling at their phone being like, but what about this? And mm -hmm. I, I, I want to be an advocate for the listener. I want to yes. be the ombudsman. He is the said, audience, I, he's the audience surrogate. Like when people are listening to David Chen talk on decoding TV and they're screaming at, in their car, uh, David Cho can be your voice. And this is that opportunity. So, and yeah. these are these are things I normally text you one on one when I'm listening to the podcast you do, <laughs> but yeah. in this case we're recording it. And I want to stress, like I think you and Kim did such a good job in the first episode and in the preview episode. I thought they were really great, but there are just some things. Where I was like, oh, here is some nuance that I think I can add to to sort of what's happening on screen and and some things that you know my point of view might hopefully be helpful in. Right, um, and uh, and I greatly appreciate that. Um, I do want to call out that. Of course, you can always email us at decodingtv at gmail.com. And the way this will work is um, this episode is obviously free uh, for everyone. Uh, but hopefully, David Cho and I will do bonus episodes throughout the season. Not necessarily every week, but whenever uh, we have time. And uh, those will be available only to paid members at decodingtv.com. So if you enjoyed this episode, help support the podcast. Become a paid member at decodingtv.com. You'll get all of my work with David Cho covering Succession this season. That not every week really sounded like a soft firing before we got started, Dave. Mm, indeed, indeed. Uh, so but I David, do respect you trying to build your own ATN out here. You're trying to get your <laughs> Logan Roy on, but without mm -hmm. the cruise ships. Um, th this is decoding TV is my version of the hundred, David Cho. <laughs> um, so, so David Cho, uh, what are some things that you heard in our conversation about Succession episode one that you kind of want to correct or tweak or comment on? I guess the first thing is something that you said to me just one-on-one -on -one, um, where you said, the reason I want to do a podcast with you is because you're the only person I know that doesn't hate rich people <laughs> because they're rich. Yeah. And, uh, not, not, and, the, not the only person, but here's what I'm going to say, David Cho. I think that if you are a media person watching Succession, which is most of the people I know and would podcast with, um, you are going to have an attitude towards the media overlords 
or you, you're going to have a you're likely to have a specific opinion about the media overlords as depicted in the show. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, m- most of the people who I would want to work with uh, are probably I- inclined to see the Roys as kind of an oppressor, which I don't necessarily think is a uh, inaccurate position. Well, I so, think the I think a testament to what the show does really well is just that like they present them in a really balanced way. And it's like, you know, they sort of like as good as someone is, there's always something bad about them. And for for the most part, there's no one that feels too exaggerated in one way, shape or the other. Even like Logan, who you could say is the worst person on the show, has redeeming qualities. I mean, depending on how you look at wealth, but like the fact that he started from nothing was an immigrant who moved from you know, the UK to Canada or whatever, and then just somehow built this massive media empire for all intents and purposes is sort of an admirable thing. Like, obviously, a lot of things he's done on his way to get there. And if he is Rupert Murdoch, there's like, he's literally the response responsible for like some of the most horrible things happen. But it's like, you know, even Logan has something redeeming about him. And even someone like his brother, Ewan, or, or whatever Ewan is like, someone like him also has massive flaws because he is a person who sits on 250 billion dollars of wealth or whatever it is or 250 million dollars of wealth and like they don't present it as like the the virtuous people are great and the rich people are bad but they they present everything with a certain level of nuance and i think that's what is is probably the most interesting thing for my show and like i think the general sentiment like many many rich people are awful i do think is fair and 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 i think they do do a lot of really deplorable things but i just think the the i don't know the balance in it is really compelling one of the things you pointed out to me during a possible ultimate recording of this episode (laughs) is uh is that there's no real person to root for in the show like there's no one who is without sin in the show there's no like purely good person in the show really well, I think um, when we're in the time of like the anti-hero, whether it's like, you know, the Tony Soprano, Don Draper, Walter White, you know, it's like that that character doesn't exist here. And it, and conversely, like a Skylar White doesn't exist. You know, it's like you don't have these people that are like, oh, you, this is the person that that we're going to be behind. I, I, I would say Logan is pretty close to a Walter White, you know, who's uh, who, you but, think Logan's a Walter White. And I don't think most people are rooting for Logan. I think most people are rooting for Shiv. Most people, oh, yeah, some, yeah, many that, people are rooting that's, that's for fair. Kendall. That's fair. Uh, you know, I saw um, my co-host Kim uh, gave me uh, pointed out a TikTok to me where somebody was talking about how they would speak about the succession characters on Twitter versus how they'd talk about them if they knew them in real life, right? Like, and on Twitter, it's like slay queen, you know, go get them. <laughs> Shiv, Shiv's an, such an amazing girl boss, you know. Like, and in real life, you'd be like, that is a fucking sociopath you know like and so also shiv out here literally like confronting <laughs> women who have been through trauma to not testify against her company just so that her company wins it's like shiv right. is a monster right exactly and it's, it, but it is interesting kind of the the is dichotomy the right word basically the contrast in how people talk about these characters online versus like whether or not these characters are actually people you'd want to root for um, and that is like a, that is kind of interesting. You know, there's I think there's a wide spectrum of opinion on how people feel about the characters and whether they should root for them. That's how I feel about it. You know, well, I think there's um, also just like you're, you pointed out something that I think is true about kind of celebrity or Twitter versus real life and anything, too, though. It's like, you know, it's like people talk all kinds of shit on Twitter. And I've seen this happen where it's like, but when they see the person barring like the the worst of the worst like the trumps or whatever's of the world it's like people always except for famous people especially they soften up a lot when they see them in real life and and once they meet them they usually come away with like they're not that bad because 
no one people are rarely as bad as we sort of like frame them in the extremist like twitter world where like everything is good or everything is bad and again that to me is what i like about the show i think it's like you know i think it's like there are days where like even the best person does fucks up because they're human and i think that humanity is is what they do really really well indeed so david cho what else did you want to talk about you know i think you guys came out of the episode and, and tell me if i'm wrong here but like it felt like you guys were really characterizing it as the kids winning yeah and, and let me tell let me tell you we'll talk about this in the next episode but we got a lot of feedback <laughs> well to de- to um, decoding tv at gmail.com <laughs> saying you were wrong for thinking that so yeah uh, i mean you're, I not, think you're I... not the only one to, for that, that that rubbed the wrong way <laughs> i mean it didn't rub me the wrong way as much as i think there is something to say like that it feels like the kids probably did overpay um i think you make the, mm-hmm. the fair point in the recording that kind of you know, we don't know how Pierce is run and we don't know if that price is fair or not. I think there probably are a few things that we we do know that like should be used and honestly are maybe even in your favor. Like if you think about like in season two, they're going to pay $25 billion for it. And now yes. the price is $10 billion. And that does feel like a decent deal, but it, feel, it feels like an appropriate come down based on what's happened in the intervening years. Yes. Yeah. And, um, and also like, listen, like I'm not, I haven't done many deals for $10 billion, but my guess is if you're outbidding your competition by like almost $4 billion, <laughs> right. it's not great. You know? Well, one question I had for you, David Cho, is uh, there, we, we are shown a bidding war uh, in the show. And I am curious how true to life you felt this bidding war was not asking you to use any specific names, of course. I think it's I think it's really close. I think the the sort of last and final, I think the speed of it obviously is very TV. You know, yeah. it's like because it the, happens the, in like two hours, basically, right? I mean, not yeah. even. It feels like yeah. they do like it feels like they're actually sharing because like, they're just sitting outside that house. Yeah. You know, and it feels, it feels like, like it feels they, like almost like real time almost, basically. Yeah, yeah. and there's there's yeah. two there's two exchanges back and forth. And I think um yeah, I think it it happened like the the way they go from six to seven to eight to ten is very fast, and mm-hmm. uh, and that's the only thing that I thought was maybe a little inaccurate. But I think like you know if you look at like kind of what happened with Elon and and Twitter, it's like that happened very quickly. Um, yeah, and that I, was, I think that was well, obviously the, for a crazy number. Right. One of the things that uh, might surprise people who are watching who haven't participated in a deal like this is the numbers they're throwing out feel pretty irrational. There's a point when the finance guy tell us uh, the, the question is asked, you know, is it worth 10 billion? And he's like, it's worth whatever someone's willing to pay for it, which is completely true. Well, you know, I like, think that also though, and, and they do a good job of sort of positioning him as a banker where they're kind of like, he obviously, all he's doing is like, he's the broker in the deal. So the bigger the deal is, the more money he makes. Like right. that's his, yes. that's, he's incentivized for the deal to be as, <laughs> as high as possible because right. his right. carry ends up being higher. But like, yeah. I think, um, yeah, what I think is, this, and what is carry for those who don't know that? It's essentially what his take home is as yeah. the, the financier on the, on the deal. And that's yeah. a very bad explanation of what carry is, but in this context, it's, it's probably good yeah. enough. Yeah. So, um, uh, but I think like what it feels, um, true, tr- one other a- aspect that feels true to life, other than the kind of gamesmanship and bidding war is, the idea that there's not like complicated financial models going on in between bids, right? It's just, it's largely based on kind of personality and ego. And well, you've of... kind of done all your work before the for, before that mm-hmm. point starts, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of diligence yeah. that goes into, here's what our floor is, here's what our ceiling is. And I think like in this case, and I think, it, you know, the whole thing is sort of a microcosm for who the kids are, right? It's like the, I think each Roy kid and and them collectively together 
always sort of do 85% of a good job. It's like they get to Nan, they talk her into taking the bid, they sort of like start negotiating with her. And then in the last 15%, they just really fuck it up. You know, and you see that time and time again with like Kendall, like and how his multiple like sort of like takeover attempts went. You saw that with Shiv. You saw that with Roman. It's like it's the continuous sort of like cycle that that they're operating in. And to me, it's like the show sort of undermines them from the very beginning based on sort of like the way they're pitching the hundred. You know, I think the hundred is meant to sound like a horrible idea. Like, yeah, that was another masterclass that Economist meets New Yorkers, like literally nothing. That, yeah, that was going to be my, my other question, which was you have run uh, or you have been the publisher of major publications. Um, but uh, I, I was curious, you know, how uh, how appealing does Substack meets Masterclass meets The Economist meets The New Yorker? Uh, how does that sound to you? I mean, I think it. I think they were making the Huffington Post. <laughs> you know, it's like they're sort yeah. of saying like they're trying to get like I, I think a lot of the language is really good. But again, it just paints them as fucking idiots, right? Like high calorie info snacks or parcels um, ethos of a nonprofit, but with crazy margins is like I mean, all this stuff is just like it's comical because it's so bad. But it's also sort of like it's very much what you do when you're fundraising. You have to kind of present, you know, the best case scenario. But I, I yeah, it doesn't sound that good to me i mean how did you think it you, you also are a media yeah, I, veteran I think it's supposed to be like a parody of what a media pitch would be you know that's kind of was my impression of it so i yeah, wish we it, could have found out how much they were raising that was the real question i was curious mm, about like because mm. it's like they're taking saudi money so my guess is you know they were probably raising like like i don't those guys aren't getting out of bed for you know sort of a typical friends and family or, or angel investment and you look at like semaphore or something like that i think they raised what 15 at the beginning and even that feels low for what these guys are probably trying to do based on the financiers they brought in um yeah uh semaphore would be another recent um media organization that raised some money uh Puck i think semaphore is presented as substack meets masterclass meets the, mm-hmm. the new yorker in a way um uh, but yeah. but as far as like the peer steel goes, I thought there was a, there were a few other things that I thought were interesting to bring to you. One is like you sort of make the comp that it's the journal, and I think the the way the conversations happen between like Rupert and the and the bank office is similar. But I think there's probably they present it as a lot more political than the than the journal is, you know? Because and I think that's the the New York Times of it all, because it's like they're like we are on the mm-hmm. front lines of Germany when whatever whatever whatever. Yeah. Um, so uh, you're saying that the Pierce organization feels more like New York Times to you than I mean, Wall I think Street it's Journal. both. Yeah. Right. I think it's like yeah. they're using the structure that like and they're and they're both family. They were both family run businesses. Mm, um, yeah, that, that, that's a good call. I mean, in the past, uh, what the the show has done is they have kind of combined a lot of different things. So like there's very few organizations that actually have like amusement parks and also make video game consoles apparently is something we learn about them in season and two. cruise ships you know and, and cruise ships. Yeah, yeah so it's just kind of like it's impre- it's not like a precise analog for an existing company today um but it, i take your point that new york times is also another great uh, yeah and it's like analog a, a, for for the pierce organization yeah also like their family it truly is a family business where like every single like senior leadership non-editorial position is is one but with a family member as well Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but to that point, like I was actually I, because I was curious, I looked up the market cap for the Times and the market cap for Fox News. Do you happen to know what they are? Because I was surprised I, by what I don't hit was. me. Uh, I don't hit me. Get, give I, me a guess for the can't. Times. Uh, the Times. Um, I'm gonna guess uh, sixty billion. Six billion. <laughs> oh, I was way off. 
And I, I will what? say the Times is probably one of the best run newspapers from a business perspective, right. you know, that's out there. It's like they they are the model for how to make a subscription digital publication like operate. Um, yeah. And so that's significantly less than the $10 billion that was bid for Pierce in the show. Yeah. So yeah. I, that to me, I do think is a real clue as to whether or not they overpay. Because like <laughs> Logan comes in at like seven and he's like, yeah. or he's like se- anchor to seven and then let's start at six well, and say we yeah. didn't like something. Yeah. So so they paid basically $4 billion more than the New York Times is worth at this point. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think Fox, is, uh, Fox News is? Because Fox News was spun out of, of uh, when the Disney sale happened. Like, what do you think Fox News is market uh, cap I'll is? Say, I'll say $12 billion. 17 billion mm. and obviously tv math is really different because the way yeah. cable deals work and things like that but it's like it's pretty interesting because I, I think like the the business analogs are probably pretty similar and so yeah i mean my guess is uh the the deal that the kids did probably wasn't that good yeah um, that's well, like we, my, we, that's... We, we have gotten a lot of that feedback from people that we will discuss on the next episode but yeah a lot <laughs> of people are like i think you guys misread the uh, uh, whether they should have been celebrating or not i think but here's the thing david cho and we'll talk about this on the next episode as well it's like regardless of whether it was a good deal or not they got to have a brief moment of triumph even if it was just emotional and not business wise you know and to uh, me even well so the 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 other thing about that was like when you talked about the camera move on shiv and like the fist bump outside like that's so not how succession celebrates things mm -hmm. (laughs) you know like when logan like avoids the proxy uh the proxy battle with stewie and them it's like you know, it's like, it's always, they go straight to business. It's like the celebration in itself kind of was like very like eyebrow raising to me. Um, because it felt very, uh, uncharacteristic of the show. Well, just cause it was like, they, they rarely do like a true celebration. You know, it's like, it's really like nothing yeah. good ever happens. Well, yeah. Anyone. Nothing good ever happens. So they rarely have any opportunity to celebrate. And, and that's why a lot of people were like, it's probably going to turn up being bad or it's probably not going to happen. Like the deal will be unwound in some way because, it would be out of character of succession for the kids to actually succeed at anything. This is Um, jumping ahead in the outline a little bit, but I think it also speaks to kind of like, to me, I think the ending with Logan watching ATN, and I think you might have missed this is that. So the way the, the way the Gojo deal is structured is they're spinning off ATN and that's what Logan's going to run now. Mm -hmm. So when Logan is the CEO, like once the Gojo deal goes through, Mm, it's like AT, like he's running, it's it's similar to the, the Disney Fox. So he will have a small, um, he will run a small portion of his previous kingdom, basically. Yeah. Uh, to me, I think they might be spinning out altogether. Like it might mm. not be part of the company. Like because like Fox News is now its own separate entity. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think, but to me, I think what they're setting up really is like you have a guy who's alone who is like kind of back to where he started. Like he's doing the news and mm. he's going up against his kids who clearly have bought the rival sort of news outlet with a major election looming. Yeah, you know? gotcha. Gotcha. And the that other is thing, a good, good correction. Yeah. The only other thing that I thought was a good reference, that was an important reference for why the deal might be bad, and and people probably emailed about this as well, is the fact that like I think Shiv might have really over leveraged herself because it sounds like they're putting up a lot of the cash for this themselves because they talk about like we're each going to get two to three out of the deal. That means combined we have nine, so we can probably move it to ten, and they call it their entire nut. And Shiv, if she's about to go through a divorce, probably means like. And even with the prenup, she's probably going to lose some value of what she has. And so, that, interesting. That was not my interpretation of that conversation. My, I thought they were going to get two to three bill total. By the way, oh no, no, that I was the, They're five percent each. I think gets them two to three bill. Each. Maybe I, I could be wrong. I thought it was yeah. each. And then, like to me, it's like you do some. You, I, I thought it was two to three bill total because there is uncertainty about whether or not they can actually get to ten. And so I assumed that a lot of that money, a lot of the 10 was coming in from outside of the three of them. 
Um, but it could be wrong. Well, I, I assume we'll find out more about who else is in the deal in subsequent episodes. But to me, so. I think there's something, I think they're setting up something where all of the kids might end up kind of broke because Connor also is positioned to sort of like potentially mm. be over leveraging himself. Yeah. Because it's and, like when they, oh, God. And just for people who aren't, super into business terms uh, leveraging in this oh, context over leveraging themselves means they're spending more money than they have yes. so it's like if they end up committing x amount to the deal then they're going to need y amount to live the life they live which is right. very expensive because yeah. they're taking private planes everywhere and so you know to make that happen it's just like they might be you know i think it's, it's an interesting way to position it where if they're broke and logan still is really rich like, what are the dynamics in play there? And I obviously, I haven't seen the the bigger trailer and I haven't seen the next, the previews yeah. of the next on, but. Yeah, but those um, are, those are all good things to look out for. I think those are, uh, those are potential minds that may explode on them over the course of the next few weeks for sure. So, so the other two things within the deal that I wanted to defend was one, I think, I think you're fair to Roman, but I feel like one of the listeners and Kim were maybe a little less generous to Roman, sort of like his progression and. And mm-hmm. what's happened over the last two seasons? Because like in, and I think they talk about how each season is sort of centered around one of the kids potentially getting a shot. And like mm-hmm. season one is about Kendall getting a shot. Season two is about Shiv getting a shot. And yeah. then season three is like Roman season, but you know Roman has like a really good season two when you know he's the one that goes and gets sort of that financing from the yeah. uh, the Saudi people, and then has that whole thing at the Four Seasons. But then. He also they kind of like give him a massive win because like when they're on the yacht, everyone like, you know, all the finance guys are sort of like, oh, he did a great job. He got the deal done. And and uh, and Roman's sort of like, you know, I kind of didn't. It wasn't there. And if it was there, I would have known and blah, 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 blah. And all that states like Roman clearly is a lot more savvier than he looks. And in the third season, he's the one that does the Gojo deal. You know, it's like he's the one that gets Matt's into that point and sort of like proves himself to not be a fuck up and i don't mean this to say in like a dark way but it's like i think kieran culkin's energy and then also like the fact that the dick pic thing was like the thing that took him down it's like that obviously is reprehensible from like a a moral perspective but from like a business perspective it's like you know sending a dick pic to jerry is like not the worst thing he could do you know what i mean like it's like he he clearly is showing himself to be capable from a replacement logan perspective <laughs> uh-huh i mean it's pretty bad let's just be clear about that uh, yeah just be clear i'm saying don't ever do that that's horrible yes but like you know but like within the context of like what the the six the roy kids have done yes yes it's not as bad as like he's like, not as he's bad not... as like helping to kill a person for correct yes. and it's like yes. he also isn't like overplaying his business hand he's just doing something really dumb and immature mm-hmm. that is again not okay at all and no one should do that yeah, I mean, I think Roman's evolution has been really interesting throughout the series. Maybe a little bit fast-forwarded for my for my taste, but overall, the show has done a good job of plausibly transitioning him from a complete fuck-up with no skills to an actual credible contender. And he yeah, is... Yeah, it's at, like at this season point, one, he's masturbating against a window. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, he literally point, brings nothing to the table. And at, at this point, he is probably the most serious... Uh, the most serious minded among them, honestly, like he's he's the only one of the three kids that is unswayed by emotional um, entanglements. He does one um, really good thing when Nan is trying to work them where she's like talking about the bid she's gotten. And it's like everyone's saying all these numbers like eight, nine, what comes after nine? And it's like, you know, to go to B instead of 10 is a mm-hmm. really savvy move, I thought. Like mm-hmm, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. this is a testament to this guy like actually being good at the the deal making part of it. 
I thought all the all the kids handled that deal section really well. Like Kendall being like, "Should we just say a number?" You know, just yeah, just yeah they were good like, up until they, they actually good. had to give the bids. It's like, yeah, and then you and then you thought the bids were a little bit too. I mean, you uh, saw over, over leverage. Yeah, 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 yeah. I to yeah. Go, again, it's like if you're if you're overbidding by four billion dollars, it's like you kind of <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> you know, I can't, I can't stress mm-hmm. that enough. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The other person I wanted to defend in the entire thing, I think, like, you seem kind of, like, down on Nan. And you might not be, you might just be down on Nan the person. But I think as a business person, she's, like, kind of working all sides of it extremely well. I think that's true. I think that's true. I think I think that, honestly, it was a former Sweet Smell of Succession co-host, Tara Ariano, that really turned me off, like, really pointed out the ways in which Nan is a phony, you know, to me. And um, well, she's definitely a phony, but I think it's like that's kind of what makes her good. You know what I mean? It's like the fact like all of the folksiness is complete bullshit. Yes. Right. It's like yes. and I, you know, I've known some executives who who have that trait where it's like they'll lean into their southern accent or something like that because it always helps them get a deal done. And like, you know, to me, those theatrics are as much of the deal as like the sort of like diligence you end up doing with your team in advance. I, let, me, let me put this out there. So when we're talking, when I'm talking about phoniness, you know, all the stuff about like, I have a headache. Oh, I'm just so disgusted. Oh, no, the migraine is an amazing Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. Let me finish my sentence. So, you know, she's all this phoniness of like, I have a migraine, you know, oh, all this bidding war stuff is, I just find it terrible. I, I, I don't like this at all. And you know, I don't even what what's your financing like? Not that I understand any of it, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, like all 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 those things, right? Um it, it, let me let me put this out there, Dave Cho. An alternate version of Nan who is able to do those things without explicitly coming off like she's full of shit. Do you know what I'm saying? Like where like it, when you, she's saying all those stuff, I as the viewer and I assume the Roy's know that she is completely BSing, right? Isn't there a way for someone to conduct themselves where they're like still getting the job done, but they're not as obviously a phony person? You know what I'm saying? Like that's, I guess that's kind of what I was, maybe that doesn't exist. I'm just I imagining a probably, fantasy but person. it's hard to, yeah. it's hard to, it's hard to like criticize her when she gets the, yeah, sig- she does get like, the job. She done. doubles she get, the deal that she probably yeah. would have gotten. You know, it's she like, she does get the if, job done. So if there was, if that hadn't happened, it's like, she's getting 6 billion, you know, yeah. maybe seven. Like, yeah. If they're if if they're anchored at seven, it's like she's not getting more than that. And mm-hmm. like to me, I think that's sort of like it's also great revenge when you consider. And obviously, she lost like you know the difference of fourteen billion dollars when she didn't do the other deal. But it's like you know, fifteen, I believe actually fifteen. I think yeah, like, Ro- Logan had gone up to twenty five at the at the end there. Yeah, but it's like you know when when Logan kind of beats her at Turnhaven because she wants to control Shiv becoming the next CEO or whatever. Yes, and then you know for for yes. her to then sort of like fuck him over and the kids over i mean it's like it's a pretty good win for nan yeah i mean for, first of all i bet she wishes she had taken the deal now you know um but <laughs> i really uh, want to know what happened in maine she's like mm-hmm. you know what happened with one of the cousins in maine i was like damn tell me more about that i i mean i love succession dropping those references all the time you know like um uh, when it will, it will be like it will make all these allusions to other things and it's like really good at making like allusions to other things where like for instance like i think frank and carl are having a a conversation and he'll say like they they, they gave this whole list of things that went wrong like you know the troubles in argentina you know the death of so and so like they gave this whole list of ambiguous things that you never see in the show it's um, really good world building yeah like they agreed, just make agreed. it feel like so many things have happened and yeah. like and it feels very lived in it's great yeah, but agreed, yeah. So I guess agreed. I just wanted to defend Nan because I thought she yeah. did a really good job. 
And yeah, you yeah, guys might have right. been she, a little she hard did on her. Get the job, she did expertly get the job done. Um, I felt like she could have done it in a, you know, uh, David Cho, I try, I try to be upfront with people. You know, I try to be direct with people. And, um, and I think it's possible to, to do what she accomplished while still being direct, but maybe it's not. I mean, you would I mean, know more than know, me. Man. It's like, if you, yeah. if you get the money and you get the petty wins, like that to me feels like a massive, <laughs> like, that, that to me yeah. feels like you're taking it all home. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Na- consider Nan defended. So, um, yeah. So then I think the Shiv and Tom side of things, I think there's nothing really like, I, I agreed with everything you guys are saying. I think you blame Tom that the, that the, the, the peer steel was kind of like fucked up by Tom. I don't think that's the case. I just want to give a big LMAO to when Kim thought Logan had killed Tom. I love that energy. <laughs> like, like mm-hmm. I like that fear. It feels like it, I, I like what that's bringing to the table. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. There was one detail that I pointed out to you on text. that I think it's important to bring up is that Shiv not having any luggage was maybe one of my favorite things that they sort of like subtly it's there's a story about how sort of like non-ostentatious luxury is kind of like the the real luxury when it's all said and done and i think it's like it's such a good detail that someone can come back from a trip and just have like their handbag because someone Mm -hmm. has already arranged for all the luggage to either come back or they have multiple sets of things at different homes and it's just like it's it's a really nice detail that i think speaks to kind of the understanding of uber wealth as it were a couple things about handbags and that kind of thing that I, you know, I know nothing about handbags. Uh, my wife, you're talking know, about Bridget. <laughs> my, my wife does know. Like, yeah. Apparently they chose like the largest handbag that someone might think would be acceptable for Bridget. Um, whereas at those events, typically everyone has a tiny handbag. Like you can basically fit your phone in it and that's it, you know, like, and so for Bridget at the succession part at the, sorry, sorry, uh, Logan Roy birthday party, she had like an ostentatiously, Ridiculously it's a tough look for bag. Burberry too. You know, mm. it's like a, Bur- a brand that's really going through a rebrand. They have an incredible was it creative director. I didn't, I didn't yeah. know if it was Burberry, but anyway, yeah. it's so, Burberry, and like it's it's a it's a massive L for them in that instance. Hate I, to see it. I made a uh, TikTok about um, how uh, one of my favorite things about Succession is the helicopter acting, and what I meant by that is anytime the people are near helicopters they treat it like it's no big deal. You know, and if you notice <laughs> anytime they're walking out, like if I go near your helicopter, I'm like in awe of it. I'm like free. My mind is freaking out. I'm trying not to get killed by the rotor. It's very scary. Um, yeah. And, and, but these people, they have been around helicopters their entire life. So anytime they're walking out, they don't even pay attention to the helicopter. And somebody commented on that TikTok, um, at tiktok.com slash at Dave Chensky and, uh, pointed out that actually they don't wear coats either. And they pointed to this Esquire interview with uh, Kieran Culkin about how uh, it's very rare that they'll wear coats. And the reason for that is because they don't need coats. Yeah. Because either the helicopter or the private driver will just take them to the I mean, actual the, location the they true, need to go. True wealth is everywhere you go, 70 degrees. And like mm-hmm, you don't yeah. ever need any, like it's like that is, you know, you you really don't ever need a jacket. And I yeah, think it's exactly. like, it's because, a testament to like you're, you're outside. and Oh yeah, you're not outside. You're you're not exposed to the elements for long enough to need them. Basically, is kind of, and so it's very rare that you see any of the characters wearing a coat uh, on the show. So, and yeah, good, good, good call out, David Cho, about like true luxuries. Everything being seventy degrees. That's a great, great way of thinking about it. Not the first time I've said that sentence, Dave. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe it. The other thing that I thought was really interesting that I didn't hear you guys mention was like 
there's a really weird moment where Tom says, I could see if I could make love to you. And it feels really kind of like borderline sex workery. And then Shiv responds with, would you like to? And he goes, no. That kind of just felt, I was just like, oh, that is so, in a dark relationship, they somehow made it darker. And I was just like, kind of like intrigued by that. My interpretation of it was more like once more for old time's sake. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't think of it as There's like something about dark. the phrasing. I yeah, could it, see if I could make love to you is so it's like weird. performative. It's, it's a not weird like, phrasing. Yeah. Would you like, but, you know, it's like, you're, but you're more talking time to someone, David, David Cho, you're talking to someone who has weird phrasing for lots of things. So I was like, that's a plausible thing that someone <laughs> would say in that situation, you know? So, but yes, I agree. It's, it's a little bit odd, a little bit odd. So I think, um, all I have left are a bunch of random thoughts. That Hit me with your random I, thoughts, David Cho. Hit me with your random thoughts. Um, I thought the Bernie Madoff kids thing by the listener was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, I think because I thought Kendall died in season three because yeah, like yeah. that episode, the, the penultimate episode where he like falls off the thing is also the week that that New Yorker profile came out, which is exactly what you would do if your character died. Like, otherwise, yeah. you would save it for the week after when the finale happens. But for it to happen after season, like, episode nine was just a really interesting move. Um, so that was that. I thought uh, I thought Telus as a banker was really well done, yes. frankly. Like, I think, I think T is a really good character and is, is represent Like, he's a good sort of, like, younger Laird. You know what I mean? Like, they have the same energy because they have the same job. Mm. Well, you have worked with bankers before like what are what are some characteristics in telus that you see as resembling what your experience has been i don't feel comfortable okay. watching the bankers <laughs> i've worked with I was, but I mean, I, let's I just say positive positive experiences david joe it doesn't need I to think be negative they are people who are very um ready to get the deal done and they're very good at what they do and i think telus represents them accurately and when sort of I think. Yeah, uh, how about you? You say he represents him accurately, and I will describe characteristics. I think. Tell us, right? I think Which the way is, Roman sort of is like, "Oh, are you counting your? Are you looking through the yacht catalog already?" Sort of is the is <laughs> right. the right energy mm-hmm. of it all. Mm-hmm. Did you yeah, watch I, the show with captions on? By the way, uh, yes. Did you Why? think it was weird that everyone's calling Logan Logue L O G E? Because that threw me off a lot. They kept mm. calling him Logue. Mm, no, I didn't have a problem with that. <laughs> but that seems that threw seemed me fine off. to me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I thought the designs for the hundreds was exceptionally bad. And I thought that was the, le- <laughs> the most unrealistic thing. Cause it's like the agency you're hiring would not be that bad to me. Wow. Harsh. And it was just, it was really ha- bad. Harsh also, words for the fake agency that made the hundred. Um, well, here's the thing. HBO designs. does such a good job with fake assets too. It just mm-hmm. felt like if, if, I mean, maybe that was kind of the point. Like they probably gave maybe horrible direction and that's why it was so bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't slag off the agency. It was bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a bad client, David Cho. That was, I generally genuine. I, I, I usually think it is the client that's bad and I have been the client before and, and oftentimes we were the problem. Um, I thought the fact that they didn't do diligence on the business was maybe the most accurate and most ridiculous thing. Um, the fact you that do they kind diligence of diligence on what Pierce or yeah, what, that they yeah. was like going in there. <laughs> they like, make the decision that day they yeah. fly down there yeah. and then at that moment like and i know i believe they can secure the money but it's like you know the fact that the reason you don't know if pierce is a good deal or not is because they've never talked about it <laughs> like there's never been any sort of like well how does this actually work because like when they were doing the pierce deal for for eight for atn it was like well there's synergies or all these things that can make this make sense 
You right. know, now, then, now there's what, buying it. Is Pierce going to be part of the hundred? Is it going to be? <laughs> no. Are they the just buying dead, Pierce? Dave. Are they just buying Pierce and taking over it? You know, like what's going? On? But so you're saying that part is relatively realistic or unrealistic? Or I think it's it's both realistic and ridiculous. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like mm-hmm. those things do happen fast. Obviously, not that fast again. But it yeah. is kind of like I think one of the things I guess I should have said when I was talking about like rich people are humans too is that you know I've worked for a lot of big companies and worked with a lot of like kind of famous people where you would think like, Oh, a decision they made must've been done with this incredible committee and brain trust and whatever. And it's like a lot of times it's just human beings being humans, you know? And and it's when you can't understand logically why something's happening, it usually means there's just like a human being being an emotional human at the other end of it, not being like overly emotional, but more just like a human being that's uh, affected by you know their own wants and desires and and things like that it's like you know why would elon musk pay way more than the 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 ticket the, the ticker price for a company when it's about to do a massive round of layoffs anyways right before their quarterly earnings report it's like you know i will all- yeah i mean i will say like he did the same level of due diligence as the roy kids did on pierce you know yeah That's- he did more <laughs> Uh, I don't know. And about he that. still fucked it. I don't know. Look at the text. It was pretty bad, <laughs> and he did do it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. The only other two things I thought were really good was when Colin says he has to go through her phone, and I've seen that happen with like there. I saw I once saw a female uh, like global pop star force her security <laughs> to go through someone's phone and make them delete and then go to the trash file and delete the files. Then mm, too. that's smart. That's smart because yeah. you don't just can't delete it. You got oh, go to just delete it off. You got to go screen. to recently deleted and then completely purify it from it. So you, you have seen that happen. Before. Oh yeah. That is I've, seen that. I've seen that happen before and I know it happens many, many times. You, and that's gotta be really awkward it. too. That's gotta be like an awkward situation potentially. Right. But like if you're a security guy, you're scary and like, and, and you, it's not awkward because you're just scared the entire time. Do, do you think Colin is, appropriately scary for a security person yeah i think he's fucking terrifying okay I think, and good. also it's like the dynamic with logan is really good where it's like he's not scary in front of logan but yeah like think yeah. of every other time you've ever seen colin because it's always within the context of like um kendall <laughs> so, killing the kid yeah. or something like that and it's just like that is exactly like i remember there was one security person that i dealt with that was like an, a former mi6 person who had like i know has killed many people and like I crossed him one time, and he was just like, "You, you crossed him like you." I just made him? a mistake. I was late. I was late to something that I should uh-huh. have been late to. Uh-huh. And he was like, "You caused us." To, and he was just like, "He railed." And this is someone I'm friends with, and he's like, "He just railed into me." I was like, "Oh shit!" Oh, okay. like he physically apprehended. No, no, not physically. But it was like oh. the ener- the intimidation energy was yeah, like yeah, I don't yeah. get scared that often, and I yeah, was like, "Well, yeah. fuck." Yeah, yeah. Um, the last thing that I liked was I, I really liked the wheels on uh, the car that they took to Nan's house. It was uh-huh. one of the, it was like spinner wheels mm-hmm, that made it look mm-hmm. like the wheels weren't moving. And I just thought that was a really nice mm. touch because they're definitely renting those cars from like, that, it's the most unrealistic touch, honestly, because it's like they're renting those cars. Like who the fuck knows where Nan lives in California, but it's like, I doubt that's like factory on the, the car service company they use. And so it was one so step too far, special, but I liked it. They requested yeah, it, That would never happen. It's like you're getting a fucking normal Escalade. You're getting a normal yeah. um, uh, whatever Tahoe. And it's like it's not going to have those wheels. But I was just like, damn, that does look cool. <laughs> just because uh, yeah, it's they, nice they, they, because they, had to go, they had to go quickly right to that place. That wouldn't have happened in real life. Yeah. In, in they general, didn't schedule yeah. that like, right, right, like exactly. a week out. It was yeah. like they got yeah. those cars that day. <laughs> yeah. Even getting uh, that number of SUVs together is like can be hard day of. Yeah. Depending yeah, yeah. on where you are, if you're not in like a major city. 
I heard that the uh, the house that they kind of were dealing in, you know, the 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 Roy kids were at before they go to Nans, mm-hmm. uh, is like uh, was owned by a twenty six year old. I think like a twenty six year old multi millionaire. Uh, Did they say where it was? It kind of looked like Bel Air, like Palisades. Yeah. Uh, okay. So here are some details. Um, I haven't read any. I, I, I kind of had a busy day 80, and I didn't read anything about it. It is an eighty-three million dollar property that was sold in twenty twenty-one, um, and it was sold to a twenty-six-year-old crypto billionaire. Damn. Um, Which so, one? Uh, let's see. Uh, you you know you know all the twenty-six-year-old crypto billionaires. <laughs> I know a few. <laughs> uh, Austin Russell. The 26-year-old tech wonderkin. Is he the chain analysis guy? 26-year-old tech wonderkin who is CEO and founder of the self-driving car automation pioneer Luminar. Oh. He apparently acquired the $83 million Palisades house that serves as the Roy kids. Yeah, it looks like the Palisades. uh, Yeah, Pacific Palisades. It's the Pacific Palisades. So it's probably like the, you know, third cheapest house in that neighborhood is my guess. (laughs) Based on what I've seen in the Palisades. Yeah, no. It's definitely not worth that right now. Uh, I don't know. I can't speak to it. Can't speak to it. But yeah, a couple, couple years ago, it was sold for that much. So, was there anything else good that happened in the news? Because I haven't seen any of the stuff since uh, the episode aired. No, no, other than the house being unmasked and the you know uh, Bridget's bag being commented on. I didn't see too much else. But of course, people can always email in what they want us to talk about at decodingtv at gmail dot com. So anyway, David Cho, anything else, or, or shall we wrap it up for today? I hope people have enjoyed this glimpse into. Uh, the lives of the media elite that David Chow oh, provided stop. us. Oh, That's not. No, I just. I've. <laughs> I've been around some stuff. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't implying that you. You know, are part of them. That, that I just, yeah, I'm not a media. Certainly elite. walks amongst them. You've walked amongst them. <laughs> I have walked so, amongst them. You've walked amongst them. Um. Well, anyway, David Cho. Uh, in addition to being a trusted advisor and strategist to many media companies, also co-hosts a podcast with me called Dave on Dave which you can get at my personal Patreon page, patreon.com slash Dave Chen. Uh, and if you like the vibe of our conversation right now, you'll probably enjoy Dave on Dave or over at patreon.com slash Dave Chen. But uh, if we record more bonus episodes, which I hope we will and am planning for us to do, decodingtv.com is where you can become a paid member and get the rest of our comparisons with what Succession's doing this season with what actually goes on in real life in the lives of the rich and famous. David Cho, thanks so much for chatting with me today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.